staan net so, en hou jou hand op jou bos, en dan dank je dat jy hier bij mij is. Dank je dat jy die levendige God hier binnen in my woon. Heere, wat een voorrecht. dank je dat ek nou genoem kan word die tempel van die Heilige Geest, die blijplek van die Geest van God. Terwijl jy so met jou hand op jou boor staan, sê Heere, dank je dat ik een tempel van die Heilige Geest is. Sê dit net vir die Dank je dat jy in my woon dank je dat as jy in my woon sê dit vir jyre dank je dat as jy in my woon jy ook dier my kom werk jyre dank je dat ek nie anderste kan as om die licht van God te kan dat skyn dier my leven in my. Jy is die licht. Jy skyn dier my. Geloof Jesus. Dankie. Amen. Jylle kan gerust sit. Dankie Jakko. Dankie vir die span. Neem jylle bybel sam met my. Ah. Laai saam met my na die feesheers, hoofstuk 4. Heere, dankie vir die woord. Dankie dat die woord die waarheid is. Dankie dat die woord ons stig en ons opbou. Heere, dankie dat hierdie woord vir ons levendig is. En dat het ons toer is. Ons loof in naam Jesus. Amen. Amen. As, as ek dink aan die bruidsrokruid wat die voorstaan, dit was nie amtelik, ons het nie amtelike thema vir die konferentie gehad nie, maar so van donderdagmiddagse kant af al, het het begin duidelik word, dat die Heere sê vir ons, dat hy bezig is om sy breid, dis jy, te begin voorbereid vir die breidegomse komst. Dis wat ons elke zondag doen, dis wat ons met ons hele leven van heiligmaking doen, maar dis asof hy net ons weer daarop wou focus, hierdie naweek. En vir ons kom sê, jy is een breid, die breidegom wat geweldig lief is vir jou, wil jou kom toeris, wil jou kom oprig, en, en terwijl ek dan denk, en ek wou vandag met julle een boodskap deel, maar ek ervaar so in my, in my hart, dat, dat André, en, en ek is so blij hy is hier, uh, en, en ek sal nou vir julle verduidelik, hoekom, want ek, ek besef dat, dat is iets van die breid wat gereed moet wees, en, en, terwijl ek by die, in die week by die Heere sit, ervaar ek dat die Heere vir my sê, ons het die woord, en is wonderlik, die woord is een tweesnijdende swaard, wat kom oopsnij en kom genees, die woord is een spiel, sê die skrif, waarin ons onszelf kan onderzoek, en kyk of daar onreinhede is, so ons onszelf kan skoon en recht maak, na gelang van die skrif, so ons meer en meer soos Jesus kan word, en dan een van die mooie gedeeltes, is die skrif, Ephesians 5 vers 26 sê, die skrif is die waterbad van die woord, waarmee die breidegom sy breid skoon was. So, 
ons het in die eerste plek die woord waarmee die Heere ons als bruid voorbereid en recht krijg en, en gereed hou vir hom. Die Heere krijg jou recht met wedergeboorte en dan wil hy jou gereed hou vir sy komst, gereed hou vir sy dienst. Ons, ons is nie net een dag vir die hemel daar nie, ons is actief nou moet ons betrokken wees om sy koninkryk hier te vestig en te laat kom. En daarom het ons sy woord nodig, daarom het ons sy teenwoordigheid nodig. Dis so kom ons hele 7 uur vrijdag aan tot 7 uur zaterdag ochend gesê het, ons gaan hier loof en prijs, ons gaan wacht, ons gaan hier sit en al is ons hoe moeg, ons gaan op die teenwoordigheid van die Heere wacht. Ons wil op hom concentreer, ons wil ontmoeting met die Heere hee, ons het dit elkeen nodig. En dan vir my die derde ding wat baie belangrijk is, is dat daar, dat daar een gemeenskap van geloofig is. Dat is fellowship nodig, ons het mekaar nodig op verskillende vlakke, eister, slijp, eister en so vorm vriende mekaar, dis wat spreke sê, en, en daarom het ons mekaar nodig, ons moet aan mekaar slijp, ons moet in, aan, oor mekaarse levens die wacht hou, ons moet inspraak in mekaarse levens sê op grond van liefde, en, en as ek dink aan die gemeente, dan denk ek, die is so uniek, die is so wonderlik, dat hy op unieke maniere verskillende type inspraken kom gee, En, en, en as jy sam met my blaai na Ephesians 4, wil ek eerst in vele vers 7 lees en dan vers 11 en dan sê, maar in elkeen van ons afzonderlik is volgens Christus sy vrygevigheid een genadegave gegee. En dan verduidelik hy dit, dat het Jesus is en uh, wat dit vir ons gee, vers 11 sê hy, hy het sommige as apostels gegee en ander as profete. That's the weird guys, but we love them. Uh, en uh, En, en, en ek sal nou vir julle verduidelik hoe kom ek dit sê, en dan sê hy, ander as evangeliste, is dit nie greid, om een evangelist te sien, wat sy leven afsluit, die van julle wat hierdie week gesien het, dat uh, Dr. Billy Graham oorlede is, en uh, man, wat een wonderlijke getuienis, dat hy sê, as jy werks dood, moet dit nie glo nie, ek het bloot net, van adres vir ander, Sjo, toe ek het lees, denk ek, is so kostbaar, om te besef, hier, hy staan so vast in sy geloof, en hy het so begeerte, om by die Heere te wees, want hy weet, hy het sy wetloop voltooi, hy het sy taak gedoen, hy het miljoene mense, by Jesus Christus uitgebring, hy was die evangelist, wat die woord op een ander manier, as iemand vraag om, ek hoor hierdie week, iemand sê, Ravi Zakarias doen een tribute aan hom, respect, en, en hy sê, hy vraag hom op een stadium, vraag iemand om, wanneer begin hy met sy, met sy afsluiting, om die mense te nooi, aan die einde, na Jesus toe, hy sê, o, dis makkelijk, dis as ek op die verhoog begin staan, as ek die bybel oopmaak, begin ek met my uitnodiging, dat hulle Jesus ontmoet, is dit nie mooi nie, sy hele leven, sy hele prediking was om mense by Jesus uit te bring, hy was een evangelist, hulle bedien die woord anderste, as wat die apostels en die profete doen, hy sê, hy sê herders, leraars, uh, en dan sê hy, um, hy sê apostels, profete, anders as evangelistes, anders as herders, 
en leraars om Godse mensen toe te ris vir hulle dienstwerk. My werk is ek sy herder. Ek is mal daar oor om vir julle lief te wees. Om te kyk dat julle verzorg is, om te kyk dat alles hier reg is en verzorg is, om geestelik julle toe te ris, dis my werk. Dis my werk as een leraar om die skrif te onderzoek, te leer vanuit die skrif, te lees, uh, en dan vir julle te kom toeris met, met die woord van die Heere, so, so dat julle reg is vir die dienstwerk, sê die skrif. So ek moet julle toeris met die woord, want julle word nie net toegeris vir julle eie naaisheid nie, julle word toegeris, want die Heere wil julle krachtig gebruik in sy koninkrijk, en ons dienstwerk wat gedoen moet word, en sê hy, hulle werk is om Christus' lichaam op te bouwen so sal ons uiteindelik amal dier geloof en dier dat ons die Seen van God ken, een eenheid vorm, een volmaakte mens, wat aan die standaard van Christus' volmaaktheid voldoen. Ons is bezig om as een lichaam saam en as individue, al hoe meer en meer soos Jesus moet te begin leid. Maar prijs die Heere, hy gee ons nie net een vorm van bediening nie, dankie toch dat hy evangeliste is wat ons by Jesus uitbring, dat daar apostels is wat ons bedienings begin ontwikkel, dat daar profete is wat vir ons op een ander manier die woord oorbreek, wat vir ons voorbidding doen en dit kom waar, wat, wat, wat net op een ander manier vir ons kom bedien, dankie vir herders wat mense oppas, dankie vir leraars wat woord bedien. Maar dit is vir my so lekker, prophet, why don't you come to the front, and have you got the mic? Um, dit is vir my so lekker om vir julle vandag aan, aan, profeet André Lau vir die van julle wat om nog nie uh, gesien het nie en, 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 en ontmoet het nie hy is André Q. Lau en, en hy is een profeet hy is in Kaapstad, ja. in, in Kaapstad al lang en, en ek het al lang al uh, luister ek na hom en, 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 en respecteer, respecteer ek sy bediening geweldig baie, I enjoy your ministry and uh, Wat ek van hom waardeer is die integriteit waarmee hy bedien, die getrouheid, the faithfulness that you serve the Lord over a long period of years, and, and the, the, the truthfulness, the, the, the capacity in which you prophesy, and the truth, and the deernis, and the, the, die, die liefde waarin jy mense bedien, is vir my so mooi. So, uh, wil jy nie met ons so bykie kon gesels nie, wat, wat ek wil hier vandag jylle moet achterkom is, een pastoor en een profeet, like anders, jylle kan, jylle kan sien, ons like anders, ons, ons, ja, hy, hy het gepraat van ons skoene, is die selfde, want dit gaan oor ons boepense, maar dis, dis is een ander story, en, maar, maar iets, van, van om die woord oop te breek, as een herder, vir jou mense, is anderste, as wat, een profee die woord kom oopbreek, en die hele week, as, as ek nou om luister, dan denk ek, ja, dit is so lekker, om bykie van die profeetse kant af, net die woord te hoor, hoe hy dit oopbreek, hoe hy vir ons een ander perspektief oor die woord gee, dit is heerlik en dit is lekker, so, please, service with me. Halleluja, jo, die pastoor, dit is so pastoor nie, yes, hy wil net, ek gaan een bykie Afrikaans praat nou nie, dan is mys die, Please Af- talk English. Wacht, wacht, wacht. Afrikaans is mys die hemelse taal, nee. Yes. Um, my pa is mys een Afrikaner, my pa is echte rechte Afrikaner, nee. Is een low-key, low, van woeste af. En um, die probleem in ons familie is, dat my pa 
um, gelief geraak het op een Portugiese vrouw. En die Portugiese vrouw, ja, ja. Die Portugiese vrouw is een kort vrouwkie net so wat so warm klappen gee. Met een vis, nee. Met een vis. Weet je, ons, ons Portugiese, uh, ons is ons fish and chips en fruit en veg. Um, so, um, um, toe my pa vir haar getrouw het, was my opa nie baie happy nie, want, maar hy was oké, okay, want het was nie een Engelse vrou, so hy was oké, okay, want hy was ons echte rechte Afrikaner nie. Solang sy nie een Engelse vrou was, was oké, okay, Portugees is oké, okay, is oh, oh, oh Afrikaner, en, um, en toe skielik verloor ons die hemelse taal, want nou moet allemaal Engels praat. So, as ek Afrikaans praat, kan jy sê, is mys echte rechte, koffiekopitaal, stikkendik, kombuis Afrikaans. Um, en, um, to, to the end keer, to uh, the one time when I was preaching in Wooster, to staan ek op, to sê vir die mense aan die nacht, en ek staan op en ek begin te praat, net soos hierdie, kan jy sê, die accent, Afrikaanse accent, met die Engelse accent, kan jy sê, so jy Afrikaans praat, maar ek Engelse accent klanke, jy bykie soos hierdie. Um, but I went up and I got up to, to preach in Afrikaans, and I got up there, and I, so lekker in Afrikaans gepreek, and to the, the pastor said, wacht, wacht a bykie, wacht a bykie. And uh, another gentleman got up on the platform, and he took a mic, and then the pastor said, continue. And I continued to preach in Afrikaans, and the gentleman on the platform stopped me, and interpreted my Afrikaans into Afrikaans. <laughs> it, it was at that moment, it was at that moment that I realized, ek pratale vir die mense. But we're excited, Pastor Voter and Pastor Dot, um, we love you so much. Yeah, yes, you are seriously the most beautiful uh, you know, second to Pastor Neville Norton, okay? Pastor Neville Norton is my favorite pastor in the whole wide world. Let's give a little praise offering for the man. Amen. And uh, when, I, when I say Pastor Neville, I speak on behalf of his wife as well. He always tells me, don't all, just include my wife as well. So we, amen, we include both. And the most precious gifts uh, this nation has got Generals in the faith, amen. And we're so glad that they're still alive. Somebody say amen to that, amen. And uh, Pastor Voto, I just love you. I love you so much. Yo, yo, yo. You're a real pastor. Yo. I saw even things this morning that show me how, how amazing your gift is. I am a prophet. And being a prophet um, is quite a different kind of calling. God called me to, to pastor and to evangelize for a season. When I was pastoring, it was the most difficult thing on the planet. Because as you a pastor, then will you meet the men to pray? No. You have a coffee drink? No. If, if you are a pastor, as you a pastor, and you have only coffee drink, then is you a good pastor. But the men will care. And they will care and care and care. Amen. En al die dominees weet wat ik bedoel. Als daar een dominee hier vandaag is, jy weet wat ik bedoel. Het was huisbezoek, nee. Je moet maar huisbezoek. Maar als een profeet inkom, hy wil nie baie praat nie. So, die, die mense begin praat en sê, o, die ding het gebeur en die kat het weggehatloop met die hond. 
and the goldfish had, um, uh, he drowned or something. Yeah. And by about two minutes later, the prophet gets frustrated. He's like, please hurry up and get finished. Um, because, please hurry up and get finished because I want to help you now. I want to pray for you. I want to, are you with me? So when the prophet comes, he, he just wants to pray for you and you must be free. But the pastor, he, he, he wants to guide you and he wants to shepherd you. He wants to coach you. So with a pastor, you can come to the pastor a hundred times and say, Oh, my cop is here. Oh, the pastor is here. That's okay, my can come in so he can just... If you come to the prophet and you say, my cop is here, the prophet will give you a discipline. He says, yeah, take this. <laughs> but um, let's have a look and see from the word of God just a little bit about the origination of the fivefold ministry. Can we talk about the origination? Pastor Ed Fons, Moi Moi Geleno van Ephesians, the book from Ephesians, the fivefold ministry. And Pastor had explained to us exactly what the fivefold ministry was, and he explained to us it's for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. How many saints are in this building? Just lift your hand up. That's only five that recognize you saints. Let me help you. All of you are saints. So let's lift our hands up. Everybody lift your hands up. Okay, so allemaal you saw is saints. Dit beteken dat die Heere wil allemaal van julle gebruik. Somebody say amen. So look at your neighbor. Kijk naar your neighbor. Glimlach een beetje. And say, die Heere gaan vir jou gebruik. Hallelujah. But for God to use you, for the Heere om vir jou to, 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 to as the Heere wil vir jou, Gebruik, there's the word. If the Lord wants to use you, you have to be equipped. You have to be prepared. Unfortunately, the church has, has not really got to the place where we've started to really work with the body of Christ. It becomes so difficult. I mean, if you're a businessman, how many understand this? You're a businessman or you, you're just a normal person. You don't want to be um, pushed into a place where you suddenly have to preach or where you suddenly have to do something. And most of us don't even like to be standing in the front or even praying for people. But God wants to use every single person, from the businessman to the little child and even to a 13-year-old. I've got six-year-olds in our ministry that prophesy. They actually speak the word of the Lord. And they have amazing gifts. So the body of Christ needs to be equipped. Our children need to be equipped. But we need to be equipped with Christ. Somebody say amen. We need to be equipped with Christ. And it's not such a difficult thing. A word of prophecy could just be, you know, God loves you. It could be that simple. A word of knowledge could be a businessman going into a business, meeting with somebody, and the Lord says to him, he's a liar. Now, most times, our wives are prophets. I see all the men going, oh, you come down. You come down. The end of, I can see they stand there and say, Pastor, prophet, well, I'm going to go there. Most of the women next to you, those women that you love, those prophetes, yo, they're weird, man. 
They know things. And they're always right. They will tell you, me barbecue, me burovos, me sticky lamb chop. I don't know what they saw in the burrow belt. This is the burovos, the burovos belt. But whatever you call him, Vorsi, whatever you call him, remember that program. Hey, Vorsi, come so. Some of you always know what I'm talking about. You're old enough to know what I'm talking about. The young guys are like, who's Vorsi? Say for the what Vorsi is. So lekker gelag, die days. SABC, remember those days? They only had three channels. <laughs> and you used to watch the screen and there was a circle with all the colors. Can you remember, Worm? My, pa and my, 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 my father, when, you, when, when we first... Uh, can I just share this quickly? We used to sit and watch the radio. Can you remember? We used to have those block radios. And as a little child, we used to sit and watch the radio. And then what happened was we got a television. When I got the television, there was no remote. You see, the young generation don't understand how difficult it was for us and what hell we had to go through as children during the first days of television. So my pa, he used to say, Andre, change the remote. I mean, change the station. I became the remote. So I would have to walk to the TV and change SAB1. Then I would sit down, and two seconds later, my partner could say, uh-uh, it's a Vakira channel. Can't change them over here. And I had to get up and press that button again. I was the remote. How many people you know what I'm talking about? Yo, But what was worse, the ernstige bezigheid, was toe jy nie die signal kan kry nie, en daar was ons rabbit ears, kan jy onthou die rabbit ears, wat op die televisie was, nee. So jou pa sê vir jou, gaan vat die rabbit ears, and find the signal, and to hartloop jy, and jy becomes the aerial now. So you fat that rabbit ears and you sit them in the lich and say, Beweeg! And you beweeg. Beweeg! Stand there! You stand there. Stand there, see you. Stand there. Lich a bit higher. It's right! Stand there too. Now will you cake? Lieve, lieve heksie of iets. Of trompie in the box and bende. They can lick sing me. Now, whatever I shared now has got nothing to do with the five-fold ministry. <laughs> it's got nothing to do with the five-fold ministry. Today's generation has got remotes. They even put remotes on their phones. Have you seen that? So now they can use a phone and change the channel. I mean, the other day I was sitting and I said to my daughter, change the channel. And I saw the remote was laying here, and the channel changed. And I looked at it, and I went, I said, how did you do that? She said, oh, no, Dad, we download the app. Oh, I knew that. And so we have a generation that is growing. One generation 
was used to using their boys, like me, the Syrians, to change the channel and to become an aerial. The next generation is using apps to change stations. And now we have discs and we have 270 stations. So technology has developed. Amen. Unfortunately, many people in the church are still with old technology. The church has grown from one level of glory to the next level of glory, but the church is still in the dark ages. We are still using these old things to get the gospel into the kingdom. And some people still don't believe that there's a fivefold ministry. They believe that the fivefold ministry was done away with, it was finished, and that we have now moved on to a new season, and yet they are still standing still. And most of that would persecute the new. Remember, the new, is the, the new will always be persecuted by the old. Because the old wants to keep the traditions of what they had. But God is moving. Amen. The Bible says, in Him we move and have our being. So God is a God of movement. And so when, when the ascension gifts, which is what we call the fivefold ministry, there was a period in time where the book of Acts says that God poured out His Spirit on all flesh. Amen. And in the days of Pentecost, the apostles stood up and He said, This is that spoken by the prophet Joel. And people were beginning to prophesy. And there were prophets like Agabus who was walking around and he was prophesying. And Philip had four daughters and they were prophesying. So the early church had an amazing time. It was a lovely time. The Spirit of God was coming um, touching people and then one day a whole bunch of Gentiles were together they were not even Jews and the Spirit of God came down upon them and the church in Jerusalem that was predominantly Jewish turned around and said this is amazing stuff look at this now suddenly the same Holy Ghost that came upon us has come upon the Gentiles and they received the gifts of the Holy Ghost they started praying for people and then we have the Apostles doing the things that Jesus said in fact, Jesus said, and you shall do greater things than this. And so it was an exciting time in the history of the church, and God was moving, and things were wonderful. And then what happened was the church began to be persecuted by the Roman Empire. And as the church began to get persecuted by the Roman Empire, the Romans began to butcher Christians. They hanged them upside down. They boiled them. In fact, most of the apostles, except for two, survived the persecution during that time it's amazing how how strong who how steady he means of us nee, they must have been foretrekkers because they were strong i mean they would plow through anything they would go through all the persecution and they stood on their beliefs and many of them died some of them were boiled in oil some of them one of the apostles even said don't hang me the right way up hang me upside down because I am not worthy to die the way Jesus died. So these were courageous men. But unfortunately, what happened was the church then lost its power. It had to go underground until a man by the name of Constantine came. And when Constantine came, he said, you know, what we've got to do is let's merge the church into all of our, our occultic gods. And so they took all the occultic gods and they brought them into the church and they created a new church. That church had idols in it. It had beads in it. It had holy waters in it. It had different things. 
And it looked like the church was successful. But unfortunately, that was not the church that God had planned for us to have. Amen. God never wanted us to have a legalistic church. He didn't want us to have a church that was dominated by a religious system. And what happened was that church began to marry itself to the government of the day. So it became the church of Rome. It became the church that was governed by a king. And so the king and the pope of that day would rule the world. And they would want to dominate the world. So they used a beautiful faith that had purity and love. They defiled it and they went off to war. And we call that war the, the, the wars for Jerusalem. It was the holy wars. And from that we find attacks against the Muslim nation who at that point was very divided. Only about 550 years ago did the Islamic nation actually be formed by Muhammad. Islam is a very new religion that was birthed out of hate for Christians. And I know it's on video there, but please understand it's history. Because what happened was the crusaders, and God forgive the church, were butchering and killing and destroying and hurting innocent people who were Islamic. Are you with me? And instead of coming with the gospel of love, amen, instead of coming with the gospel of love, they were going with swords and war. And so what happened was the whole church went into the dark ages. Are you enjoying this church? All right, so let's just see where we're going. And as, as this thing began to happen, God began to want to move in the earth to try and bring his church back to its original position. That is a Christ-centered church. Not a church that is dominating world governments. Not a church trying to go to war and kill. Not a church trying to, to fight one another. But he wanted to raise up a church that looked like him. Like Jesus Christ, the original. Somebody say amen. And so as time went by, there was a man by the name of Luther, Martin Luther. And Luther decided, no, this is something wrong here. Because people would come to church and they would not be able to get their sins forgiven unless they paid penance. And so they would come and they would bring money to the church. And then the priests, the Jesuits, would decide whether you are forgiven or not. And so salvation was no longer free. And the word of God was only given to the Pope and to the priests, the fathers of that day. So nobody else had the word of God. And Luther said, no, 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 this is all wrong. We are justified by faith. I'm getting to the story now. We are justified by faith. Otherwise, Jesus Christ died for all of us. Somebody say amen. Jesus died for all of us. And all this stuff in the Bible, all this good stuff, is for every single person. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. God gave His Son for all of us. Without you working for it, it is a free gift. Somebody say amen. It is a free gift. You don't have to live in your sin. You don't have to live in your pain any longer. And that's what Luther was propagating. That salvation has come for all people. You don't have to pay for it. It is freely giving. Somebody give the Lord a praise offering. And so by that information... The Spirit of the Lord came upon this man and they began to work together to create a press. Do you see the power of God working here? Now, at before this point, people were writing out the Word of God by hand. But Luther's revolution caused knowledge to come. 
It wasn't a man-made knowledge. It was a supernatural knowledge as God began to give him the words of wisdom, the words of knowledge and understanding and the gifts were touching these men and they started to create the Gutenberg press and the Germans, amen, were creating the different type of press. Thank God for them. And then suddenly they started printing out the Bible. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The first book to be printed, the Bible. Isn't that glorious? And suddenly everybody could have the, the, the Bible and there was the Reformation. That was the Reformation. Then the Reformation went into the Dark Ages again. And for many, many years, nothing happened in the earth except little touches. How many people here are descendants of the French Huguenots over here? Praise the Lord. Just lift your hands up here. Praise God. Do you know that the French Huguenots were kicked out of France? Do you know that? Do you know why they were kicked out of France? The reason why they were kicked out of France, because at that time, I think France had a Pope. And the Pope expelled the French Huguenots because they were religious fanatics. The French Huguenots were prophets. They would speak in tongues. They would pray for the sick. They would cast out. They would shake on the ground. They were like the Pentecostals. And the French decided, no, we can't get these guys here. We're going to get them out. So they kicked them out and sent them to South Africa. Isn't that exciting? To areas like France, who can Worcester. Bro, glory to God. And we all know what happened in Worcester with Andrew Murray. So there's this legacy of how God was beginning to work things. And there were other groups that, that God was pushing away. Now, I need to ask a question. Are you, are you enjoying this? I'm sure you are because most of you look very clever. All right. And so this kind of information helps us to understand where we are. Are we getting cleverer? The same brain we had, the same brain we had, Adam had. So are we getting cleverer? I don't think we're getting cleverer. I think we always had the same brain. The same brain in the man was the same brain in the 1700s. The same brain in the 1600s. The same brain in AD 100. The brain didn't evolve. But what changed the brain? Let me tell you what changed the brain. The Spirit of God. The Spirit of God changed, is changing the human brain. Because God is a God of creativity. And God is a God of creation. And the whole earth and mankind was created from one seed to have the ability to create. And so suddenly, something shifted. So I began to study, Pastor, and I asked myself, when did the real shift begin? Otherwise, when did the age of communication and technology and invention really take off? And I found out it took off during the 1900s. And then I found out that in 1901, there was a place in America called Azusa Street. And in Azusa Street, there was a man there who was preaching a Pentecostal experience. And in Azusa Street, so from 1870, there were moves of God where God was touching people with an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. But in 1901, there was a massive change in the earth. Somebody say, Amen. 
It was such a radical change that people were asking for the Holy Ghost to come down into the earth. And suddenly, the Holy Spirit, who was held back through the dark ages, who was held back through tradition, was invited to return. Isn't this an exciting search? You're not excited. Just pretend you are. <laughs> Make me look good, okay? <laughs> and the Holy Ghost suddenly comes down, and suddenly people don't get cleverer. They get more creative because the spirit of creation is having freedom in the earth. And suddenly people are inventing phones, electricity, petrol, cars. Everything's just happening. And over a short period of time, more inventions. The patent of America is filled with new ideas. Did man get cleverer? No. God got closer. And God is still moving to create new things. There are people sitting here that are going to be filled with new ideas. And it's going to make you millionaires and billionaires. Hallelujah. Unfortunately, it rains on the good and it rains on the bad. So we have some clever people like Bill Gates who is getting rained on. But how many people in this building say it's time for us to take our rightful place? You are called to create the solutions to the world's problems. Amen. And if you find those solutions, you will have wealth, my brother. You will have businesses like you've never had before. Zuzu Street, 1901. And we're going through this time in history. And God decides, no, but there's more that I need to give. But I can't do anything yet until I begin to do some natural. Are you, are you blessed, Pastor? Until I do something natural in the earth. So suddenly, there are certain people in the world that start to hate the Jews. And we ask ourselves the questions, why are you hating the Jews? And so, God had to restore the Jewish people back into the land again. But He couldn't do that unless there was persecution. So great persecution takes place because God would have to do a restoration of the Jew before He can restore the fivefold ministry. Hallelujah. So there's a major war that takes place. There's chaos all over the place. And then a couple of nations get together after the war and they decide, no, Israel should have become a sovereign nation. And in the 14th of May, amen, watch this. In the 14th of May, 1948, even a South African minister is standing in the United Nations of the world and they are saying, we want to bless Israel. God is never going to forget our nation. I said, God is never going to forget our nation. In 1948, on the 14th of May, 1948, South African government chose to agree to let Israel become a nation and God will not forget to help with what the devil wants to do in this nation. The Bible says you pray for the peace of Jerusalem, you will be blessed. Amen. And we did more than pray, we made a vote. And I, when I pray, I remind God, you cannot bring this nation into corruption. You cannot bring this nation into chaos. You cannot bring this nation into war because when you needed us, God, we blessed your people. Hallelujah. Amen. In the words of Angus Buckham. <laughs> and so in 1948, God had started the process to restore Israel. And Israel was now restored. Once Israel was restored, God said, now I can restore the church. 
I want to bring the church where the natural must first be restored and then the spiritual. And so we start having a period of 50 years of incredible happenings in the church of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to, because I've got eight minutes, I'm going to just run them down. Are you ready, church? In 1950, after Israel is restored, remember, nothing was restored to the fivefold ministry until Israel was restored. That's why the Bible says, watch Israel, for it is a clock. Amen. It's a clock. And we can see what's happening in Israel. Even Jesus said, when you see these things, run. In 1950, God starts to restore the evangelist. Isn't it amazing? And suddenly we get these evangelists coming out. Oswald comes out and evangelists come out. Billy Graham that we just lost suddenly makes his appearance. And the world is seeing for the first time. It's exciting. Woohoo! The world is seeing for the first time after many, many years, Jesus Christ entering into the earth through the fivefold ministry. And Jesus the evangelist is seen through different people throughout the world. Owen Roberts comes out of that. And Billy Graham comes out of that. And there's this amazing thing. And people are having tent meetings. And people are having revivals. And ten years later, there's so many people getting saved, there's not enough pastors. So God says, no, we have to restore the pastor. Because during those times, they were called different things. Amen. So God comes and he visits us and he says, let's bring the pastors. And so the pastors come in and they start moving in. And we start having these churches are starting to grow. And people are getting saved by the evangelists. And they're being shepherded by the pastor. Can we give the Lord a praise offering church? Because this is exciting days. It's exciting days. Now all these pastors are coming. But the people are staying babies. They just, they, all they know is salvation and they know how to be cared for. But they haven't been taught about faith. They haven't been taught about how becoming a victorious Christian. So suddenly you get Kenneth Copeland coming and you get Jerry Savall coming and you get Lester Samoro coming and all these teachers start filtering into the earth and suddenly the teacher is restored. And the teacher goes to a certain place and he's starting to restore all of these things and he's teaching and he starts teaching. What does he start teaching about? He starts teaching that there's a five-fold ministry. But there's a problem. There's no prophets. That's where I come in. <laughs> and there's no prophets. And in the 1980s, suddenly, God starts speaking to some people. Like Ed Trout. Remember Ed Trout? And God starts speaking to some people by the name of Kim Clement. South African people. Then God speaks to Bob Jones, and then he speaks to the Kansas City prophets. At that time, they didn't even know who they were. Bob Jones, John Paul Jackson, they, and then the vineyard move. And God starts saying, hey, there are still prophets. And my God, there were extremes. In the 1980s, there were so many extremes. Prophets were doing strange things. Evangelists were praying for people to get healed, but not going to get a medical checkup. They were telling the people, no, have faith, don't take your medication. People were dying. A lot of mess was happening, but it was a restoration process. Then the prophets came, and they realized, wait a minute, we've got teachers now, we've got pastors now, we've got evangelists now, but there's no apostles. So the prophet at that time was traveling alone he started to prophesy no there's coming apostles hallelujah and they started praying and declaring apostles are coming 
And suddenly apostles like Noel Woodruff, Jonathan came, and different apostles started appearing, and Andre Paul's name, and guys that started pushing this thing. And they, and they were crazy because no one believed this. And then there was opposition because everybody believed that it's okay to have teachers and it's okay to have pastors and it's okay to have evangelists. But prophets and apostles, no, we can't have that. So we had to learn that there's no more foundational, um, no, um, there's no more um, um, writing prophets and apostles. Otherwise, the word of God is complete. There are only apostles and prophets that work to emphasize more that which is already completed so we're not adding to the bible we're just enforcing the bible and this whole thing begins to happen so in the 90s the apostle is restored isn't that exciting by the year 2000 the fivefold ministry has been restored it has been brought back into its original position now the church would have to come into the season of equipping it's 2018 pastor it's 18 years after the restoration and the church is still drinking milk we've had from 2001 after september the 11th all the way through to 2010 nothing much happened we had some river moves are you with me we had some experiences with joy but if we really ask the question nothing really has happened much We've built some big churches, we've established some things, but there's another move coming, and that's the move of the saints. Hallelujah. That's where the fivefold ministry comes to every single believer, from a three-year-old child all the way up to a 95-year-old brother. Amen. And God begins to put His Spirit upon you. And God begins to teach you how to pray for people and teach you how to cast out devils and teach you how to change the way your business is run through prophesying to it. And thank God you can even prophesy to your wife and make her younger. I just wanted to see if you're listening. You could also prophesy to your husband, amen, and make him watch less rugby and change the light bulb. And so the evangelist, when he was restored, was bringing holiness. The pastor was bringing the discipleship move. The teacher was bringing faith and healing and prosperity, which was a bit abused afterwards. The prophet was bringing revival, reformation, the priesthood of all believers. The apostle was bringing restoration and team ministry and sound doctrine. The apostle has been working for the last 18 years. We don't have to call them apostles. How do we know they're working? They're balancing it out. Now, too much of the prophet is dangerous. Too much of the evangelist is dangerous. Too much of this, and they're balancing it out. So they're packaging it in such a way. And so Dr. Fred Roberts used to teach us that the fivefold ministry is like a hand. Amen. And each finger is represented. And I'm not going to teach it, but I would like to say this. The fivefold ministry is the five senses of Jesus Christ. Remember, every human being, the body is made with, a, the body is made with senses. So you have senses. You see, you smell, you taste, you hear, you touch. The fivefold ministry is the five senses of of Jesus Christ it's what he uses to touch his church with Amen. and the fivefold ministry is found throughout the Bible I'm closing now are you blessed church we're just sharing a different I could teach on this for days but I just want to explain to you that we are 
at the best place we can ever be. Somebody say amen. Do you agree, church? I thank God that God has brought us to live on the word. I thank God that we have a, a, a Pastor Neville Norton and his wonderful wife who are leading this team. And I thank God that we are in prison truth. Give the Lord a shout of praise. Give the Lord a shout of praise. I thank God, my God, I thank God we are not being left behind. But where God is moving, we are moving. Amen. The fivefold ministry is everywhere in the Bible. It's hidden. Did you know that in the book of Leviticus, Leviticus 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, the book of Leviticus talks about five offerings. It talks about a burnt offering, a meal offering, a peace offering, a sin offering, a trespass offering. Isn't that amazing? Five offerings. And when Jesus said this, he said, I'm going to give you the fivefold ministry. And the Old Testament was a type and a foreshadow of the fivefold ministry. And so when you begin to study this, you see that the apostle, he's a burnt offering. And the prophet is a meal offering. The evangelist is a peace offering. The pastor is a sin offering. And the teacher is a trespass offering. So again, we see the fivefold ministry hidden in the Bible. Very exciting, isn't it? We see also that Abraham had five covenant offerings. He had the heifer, the she-goat, the sheep, the dove, and the pigeon. Only five. Is that a coincidence, church? No. God was trying to show us a pattern of how he wants the fivefold ministry to look. The heifer is the apostle. The she-goat is the pastor. Hallelujah. The sheep is the prophet. The good shepherd. The, the dove is the evangelist. He's always going. Amen. The pigeon is the teacher. Soft, isn't that? And then in the inner court of the tabernacle of Moses, did you know that God told Moses in the inner court of the tabernacle, you have to have five pillars? And those five pillars were not only representing the Pentiac, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, but it was also representing the way in which God would work in His church through the fivefold ministry, the five pillars of the fivefold ministry. And then, I love this the most. Out of all of the scriptures, I love this one, where David comes and he says, is there anybody that can feed the multitude? I love this. Is there anybody that can feed the multitude? And a little boy comes and says, I've got five loaves and two fish. And I said, Lord, why five loaves and two fish to feed the multitude? And God said this. You see, the fish represent the two witnesses in the last days. Hallelujah. The two witnesses in the last days that will come and testify. But the five loaves represent the fivefold ministry. God would take the fivefold ministry, He would multiply it, Jesus would multiply it, then He would feed the multitudes the bread of life. Give the Lord a praise offering. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a praise offering. Can I just have two minutes, please? Can I just have two minutes? Two minutes, church, and I'm done. And then, my next favorite story is God anoints David. And David is a type of Christ. Amen. He's a type of king. He's a type of redeemer. And God says to this king, he says, I want you to make a way. And as he goes to the house of God, the whole of Israel is in trenches. 
You know, the church has been in trenches for almost 2,000 years, man of God. The enemy has stood and tormented the church. World religion has tormented the church. Traditions of men have tormented the church. And we are paralyzed by that giant. But David comes, he sees Goliath, and he says, No, it's time the church gets out of the trenches. He goes to a river. The river represents the Holy Ghost. He draws from the river five stones. And he puts those five stones into a bag, which is the local church. Somebody give the Lord a praise offering. Just give the Lord a praise offering. We are in the exact place. David takes those five stones, not only to destroy Goliath's four brothers, but he takes those five stones that represent the Holy Ghost, fivefold ministry gifts of the evangelist and prophet and teacher. And he takes one of them out, and he sends it. Amen. I don't know who, I hope it was the prophet. And he sends him into Goliath's head. And that thing that was standing against the church, stopping the church from having victory, is brought down. And the church can get up as a body and move into the inheritances of God. These are exciting days. Amen. Apostles have the heart for nations. Prophets have new revelation. Teachers have a heart for teaching. Pastors are married to the sheep. Hallelujah. Evangelists have a passion for the lost. Apostles are saint ones. Prophets are mouthpieces. Teachers are instructors. Prophets are brothers keepers. Evangelists are travelers. Apostles govern. Prophets guide. Teachers ground. Pastors graze. Evangelists gather. Apostles clarify. Prophets declare. Teachers teach. Pastors feed. Evangelists proclaim. Paul, will you join us right now? Pastor Voter, will you join me? And will the rest of the congregation just please stand to your feet right now? The Word of God tells us that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. God didn't just come to save you. He came to give you more than abundance. Amen. But many people would live their whole life knowing that they're Christians, but never making that commitment, never coming to a place and saying, Jesus Christ, I accept you as Lord and Savior over my life. Many times people have never been given an opportunity, Pastor Voter, to be able to give Jesus that spot. You know, Jesus Christ died for you and me publicly. He was publicly disgraced. He was whipped. He was put on a wooden tree. And on that tree, he said, God, forgive them. His heart was saying, God, forgive them. You don't have to live any longer without his presence. You don't have to live any longer outside of his great love for you. The Bible says that no man can come to God unless the Holy Ghost has brought them. It is impossible for you to have come into this church this morning by your own will. You would rather want to be at home. You'd rather want to be watching a rugby game. You'd rather be wanting to fix up the car or riding your motorbike. But it was the Holy Ghost. 
It wasn't just a child dedication. They brought you here this morning. It was the Holy Ghost. He brought you. He's been wanting you for years. He's been calling you for years. For 2,000 years, he's been trying to make his way back to bring all these gifts to the church. But the greatest gift we will ever have is not the fivefold ministry. The greatest gift is salvation. Just lift your hands in this place. Paul, I want you to sing that song. And as Paul sings the song, I want you just to reflect. Just give God this moment. Someone's life is about to be changed. You're standing here. You're feeling your heart. You're saying, Yo, here, that's it. He's so exciting. But, yo, my, my, my arm, my palms are sweaty. My heart is pumping. I don't know what's going on here. Jesus. The same Jesus that saved me at the age of 17 when I was sniffing cocaine and living on the streets in a gutter because I had run away from home. I had run away from home because my father, unfortunately, it was difficult and I just ran. That same Jesus that found me finds you today. Thank you, Paul. Can you dim the lights completely, sir? I want you to have a moment with Jesus right now.